So this morning, I have a word from the Lord, and it's titled, Women of Valor. You know, usually we would say men of valor, but this morning we're talking of women of valor, and the subheading is, when the woman is the Lord's secret weapon. When the woman is the Lord's secret weapon. You're right there in the face of the enemy and he does not see you as anybody to reckon with because he thinks, oh, this woman, what can we do with her? Just, and they're going, when the woman is the Lord's secret weapon, women of valor. This morning we read from Proverbs 31. Thank you, Dickiness and Gozi. Proverbs 31 from 10 to 31. I will read just a few, maybe just even the very first verse that she read. Proverbs 31.10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is above, is far above rubies. In the New King James, it's the same. But that word virtuous, and if you've been Christian for any length of time, if you've been Christian, you've maybe you got to be a Christian from when you were a teenager. So maybe you've been to many women's fellowship meetings. At least when I was growing up in my home country, there was one thing that was constant. I got saved earlier, around nine, age nine, I got saved. So I got into women's fellowship very quickly. <laughs> So there was always, it was just women coming together. I was a teenager, but we all joined all the women that were older and so on. And there was always one continuous theme, virtuous women. In fact, we had a song, God make me a virtuous woman. We will sing that song. We will sing that song. And then we'll say, this is my heartfelt plea. Uh, I think it says, it goes like that I may be the crown of my husband and he be the head of my home. It was just something like that. And when they talk about virtuous women, it was always in the context of being married. So it was always like a woman, for you to feel complete, you have to be married. Well, that was how it was then. But what I want to pull out of it is that continuous theme, virtuous woman. Now, the way it was described to us then was, we learned a lot of things, how to make sure our homes were clean, how to make sure that uh, we had food in our refrigerators. In fact, it was an abomination that you will grow up in that culture and a traveler will come into your home. Maybe they came in 9 p.m., you were not expecting them, and you could not reach into your freezer and whip up a meal like right there. You must always have like half-cooked Beef, meat, there. Fish is there. So anyone who walks into your house, within 30 minutes, you can conjure up a meal. That's being virtuous. I know men loved it. I don't even want to go into the details of the things we were taught. They were all good things. But that's my concept as I was growing up of being a virtuous woman. Make sure your house is clean. Make sure your children are well behaved. And uh, make sure your, they even said we should make sure our, our husband's clothes were well, were folded, put away. I, I never did get that part of it. But <laughs> they, <laughs> and my husband can tell you I didn't get it at all. <laughs> I don't like laundry. I don't like folding. I don't. <laughs> but we were taught all these things. That was what a virtuous woman was. But as I grew in the Lord, I started to recognize that there was more to it. That was part of it. Not necessarily all we were taught, but that was the light that our older women had then. And they took it upon themselves like the word of God told us to do, to teach younger women. And so you would have a woman that was getting married in my culture then, in the Christian culture, not necessarily the African culture, but the Christian culture in which I was raised, the, the, those who were born again in those days, we, we came with a package. We came ready to, to honor our husbands. We came. Now, did we eventually, after the one year had gone, did we continue to honor him? It's a different story. But when we first got in, we were so primed and, you know, 
Some of us can give you confession that we didn't follow through all the time. But the Lord continued to work on us. How, how, how about that? He didn't leave us the way we are. The Lord had mercy on us. <laughs> yeah. I know my husband can tell you it didn't always work out the way I was taught in the women's fellowship. But there is more to being a virtuous woman than, than just cleaning and cooking and, and that. There is more. In that particular verse, Proverbs 31.10, that word virtuous is a Hebrew word called kahil. It means strength, might, wealth. It also stands for an army. Who can find a woman who is extremely efficient? Who can find a mighty woman? Who can find a strong woman? Who can find a woman that has force that the devil will be very, very careful to interrupt when she's speaking? That's who a virtuous woman is in the original. Now, if you keep reading, you see how it is expressed. And I think that's where our older ladies in those days got all those cooking, getting up early, and so on. All great. But the real meaning, though, that same word, Kail, is the same word used for Gideon in Judges 6.12 that says, Thou mighty man of valor. So who can find a woman of valor, a mighty woman of valor. The Bible says her price is far above rubies. It, it's very hard to find them. I'm not saying who can find a beautiful woman. If you have the right things to wear, if you were raised in a place where someone te teaches you or taught you how to do makeup and so on, you, you can find people all over. But who can find a virtuous woman? That same word in Ruth chapter 3 verse 11. And now my daughter, fear not. And this was Boaz speaking to Ruth. I will do to you all that you require for all the city of my people doth know that you are a virtuous woman. Ruth 3.11. A virtuous woman. And we can't tell whether she knew how to cook or not. We don't know if she knew how to bake. We, we just knew that the Bible says... She was a virtuous woman. We knew that, that we know that the same word is used of Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. So who can find a woman of valor? Who? Proverbs 12:4 says, "A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband." There is a reason for that. We'll talk about it. So the Bible says far above rubies, precious, uncommon, unusual. The Amplified Version says a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. Who is he who can find her? She is far more precious than jewels and her value is far above rubies or pearls. The message translation says a good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. If we're able to read that Proverbs 31, let's go to 17. But let's read it in the Amplified and let's look at a description. Proverbs 31, 17 in the Amplified. This virtuous woman that we're talking about, she girds herself with strength, spiritual mental and physical fitness for her God-given task. Spiritual, mental, physical fitness for her God-given task. That's why it's very hard to find a woman of valor. Because the description of that woman is that she's very strong spiritually, she's very strong mentally, and she's strong physically. Many times you'll find one of the three. You either find very accomplished women, very intelligent, mentally, they, they're well-read, they've gone to school, they've done all of these things. But spiritually, mm -mm, they're not there. 
Sometimes you find people who spend so much time on their bodies, they've done it well, good exercise um, regimen, everything, even with plastic surgery, they just look real good. But spiritually and mentally, mm -mm. that's why it's really hard to find them, to have all three areas of you covered, growing strong. She girds herself with strength, spiritual, mental, physical. And we can look at it in the three parts of the man, of a human. You're first a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So we're saying this person, this woman, this female is spiritually strong in her soul realm, which really is her emotions, her imagination, her intelligence. We're saying she's strong. How will, thank you, Pastor. I was trying to, there are five of them in the soul realm. So she's not lily levered, spaghetti legged. You know that? She's not emotionally moved. She's very strong, very stable. That's why it's very hard to find them. They may be prayer warriors, but they may be, they may be emotional wrecks. They've not learned to strengthen their soul realm. That's why their price is far above diamonds and rubies. Message translation, Proverbs 31.1, uh, 10. A good woman is hard to find. She's worth far more than diamonds. Who can find? Who can find? It's spiritual. I want to talk about this strength we're talking about. This strength is deep within. It's not superficial. Let me give you a good example. Let's go to Deborah. You know Deborah. Judges 4. We can't read the whole thing. Remember the title is Women of Valor. When a woman is God's secret weapon. Let's read from verse 1, Judges chapter 4. Verse 1, let's read it in the Amplified. But after Ehud, you know, this is the time when we did, the children of Israel had left Egypt. They were now in the promised land. They didn't have kings then. They had judges, people who God will set over them to kind of help them find him and stay on the straight and narrow, you know, kind of follow God's word and get them well and do well in God's presence. Well, they would occasionally stray. And it wasn't occasionally. Actually, it was their habit to stray away from God. They would do well for a season. And then after a while, they would stray. So this Judges 4 is set in that time when they strayed away. So Judges 4 won. But after Ehud died, that's their last judge. His name was Ehud. He died. The Israelites again, again, this was their habit to do evil. In the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Who reigned in Hazel. The commander of his army. I want you to start to note these names because I'm going to bring them up. The name of the king of Canaan that was really, you know, kind of just giving them misery and making their lives hell. The name of that king was Jabin. Jabin, king of Canaan. Who reigned in Hazel. His... his um, palace was in Hazel. The commander of his army was Sisera. That's the name of this commander-in-chief, Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoim. Verse 3. Then the Israelites, after they had been like victimized and just vilified and just under so much pressure, in verse 3, they cried to the Lord. For they tried to resist this jabbing, but Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And they were just really, Israelites were shepherds and herdsmen. They didn't have all this. The, the big battles they had fought and won were not fought by them. It was God who would go there and kind of clear stuff and they would win. So they knew and they had left God, remember? They had strayed away. So they couldn't depend on God to help them. 
So they were crying. So eventually it's like, God, we really missed it. Help us. And then it said, then the Israelites cried to the Lord for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron and had severely oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. For 20 years, they were suffering. Then in verse 4, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, judged Israel at that time. She sat under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. And then in verse 6, she sent and called Barak, son of Abinoam from Kedesh, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, take 10,000 men from the tribes, and she told them what to, told him what to do in verse 7. Then Sisera, who was, remember, the chief captain or commander of, of Jabin's army, said, and Deborah said, God said, I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you, and I will deliver him into your hand. That was in verse 7. Now, when Jabin thinks of the Israelites, when he thinks of them, he's able to oppress them, because he knows they have no general. There is no man worthy of even fighting. So you will think of Deborah. Oh, oh they have one woman called Deborah. They, they, they who? They, he, he, he continues. Don't worry. I'm speaking it like I speak it from. Don't worry. I know it's Deborah, but you know, let's just speak it like the way I was raised. Deborah. Thank you. So, <laughs> she's trying to twist my tongue, Deborah. No, it's Deborah. <laughs> Debo. <laughs> so, Debo baby now. So, you know, Debo. <laughs> so, so, this jabbing, this king is thinking, who's their judge again? Debbie? Debbie who? Okay. He totally discounted her. He ignored her. He did not count her as anything or anyone of note. She did not know. He did not know that that was his nemesis. He did not know that that was what's going to kill him and the whole of his army. When a woman is God's secret weapon. We're talking of a woman of valor now. It's not in the way they look. It's not gender-based. It's a covenant thing. It's a calling. Those who heed that calling can cause a lot of havoc in the kingdom of the enemy. He discounted Debbie. Debo. He discounted Debo. You better not discount Debbie. Because she's a woman of valor. When Deborah called Barak, Barak said, verse 8, if you will go with me, then I will go. Because this one understood who Deborah was. This one was not kidding, was not playing. I'm not going to go face jabbing and Sisera with 900 chariots. But if you will go with me. Because he recognized who she was. He recognized the anointing of God upon her. And he recognized that this woman, you don't toy with this woman. When she says this is, it, it is, this is how it's going to be. So he's like, okay, I will carry, I will go, but I will carry the anointing with me. Let's go. So Deborah says to him in verse 8 or verse 9, I will go with you. Nevertheless, the trip you take will not be for your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera. That's the captain into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. The whole story you can go read. But at the end of the day, that the 900 chariots, gone. Sisera, the one who was giving them the grief, the captain, he died a shameless de death. It was not even Deborah. Deborah had nothing to do with it. He ran into somebody's tent. Thinking, just give me water, let me rest. You know, when the, when the battle got really hard and he saw they were losing, he ran into this tent. And when he ran in there, he thought he would rest and sleep. And then there was this young, 
greedy woman also discounted that woman. I think her name was, what was her name? Jael, J-A-E-L. Jael, Jail, J. You discount Deborah to your own detriment. You discount Jael to your own detriment. These were bold women. These were courageous women. These were women of valor. They, had, they didn't do all this shenanigans some women do. It's like, what needs to be done? Let's get it done. Exactly. It takes mental strength to have the, the captain of the army of, with 900 chariots to come into your tent. You give him milk to drink. You tell him to sleep. Then you take a tent pin and hammer it into his head. And he dies. And people are running. Let's find, let's find Cesera. He said, come, come on, look at the man. Look. When women are God's secret weapon. Don't discount. Don't discount that stand and stance in the spirit. Spiritual, mental, physical strength. Amen. So we've talked about Debbie and Jay. Let's talk about that woman. We're talking of women. We're talking of leaders. We're talking of aunties. Do you know sometimes an auntie is the best thing that ever happened to a young man? Because sometimes the woman may be out there getting pretty, doesn't pay attention to her child. Sometimes it's the auntie that pulls that child and says, come. You will not go, you will not, you will not, you will not go to hell. Not because, as long as I'm alive, you, will, you are not going to hell. It's the auntie that drags this child to church. It's the auntie that drags this child to Bible study. It's the aunt. We're talking of women now who are very sensitive in the spirit. Who understand what's going on around them. We're talking of stepmothers who take other people's children that they did not birth and raise them as their own in the Lord. We're talking of midwives. Let's, let's talk about that midwife. Or, Well, before we get, yeah, let's talk about the midwife in Exodus 1. You know their name? We're talking of Shippi and P now. Shippi and Pia. I'm giving them names because you guys, I can't speak it like, the, you know, that American accent. So it's Shippi and Pia. <laughs> Shephra and Pua that's their name those are their names Shephra and Pua Exodus 1 8 to 20 when you think about it the children of Israel had left were living in Egypt they had all this pain because the Pharaoh that knew Joseph had died so that Pharaoh that used to, you know, make them feel real special died. And then they, need, they started to make the lives of these Israelites really miserable. And then in verse 8, now there arose a new king over Egypt. This is New King James Version. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more, that is more in number, and stronger. They are mightier than we are. And they said, come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happens that in the event of war, they join with our enemies and fight against us. So they try to put taskmasters, make their lives hell. But in verse 12, it says, the, the more the, these Egyptians afflicted them, the more these Israelites just multiplied and grew. So it's like, okay, let's think of another way. We got to suppress their growth. We got to suppress their strength. So they thought, okay, what should I do? What should we do here? So they decided in verse 14. Um, they tried to make their lives bitter. It didn't work. Verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shephra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall leave. So the key was, if we killed the, they didn't mind the women, you know, being born and being there. They felt the strength of Israel was in the male 
in the mill. So it's like when they're being born, let's just kill them. You, they didn't know how to abort them, so they didn't abort them. But the minute the kids were born, they would kill them. That was the plan. Okay, so they say, let's kill them. But verse 17 is key. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Who dares go against Pharaoh? How can you tell Pharaoh no? Kill all the male, you say no. Kill all of them, you said no. How do you do that? But you know what? Women of valor. They were strong with him. Pharaoh and his generals discounted these two women. You know, even look at their names. Shephra, Pua. Who are they? Ignorant women. They didn't go to school. They only, you know. You just discount them. That's your mistake. Big one. Big one. Don't discount that woman that knows her God. Because the midwives feared God. So they withstood Pharaoh. So the king of Egypt in verse 18. Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? So they said... Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. For they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied. Two women foiled a whole nation's plan. Women of valor, God's secret weapon. Let me talk about this woman. Her name is Abby, Abigail. Did I get that right, Abigail? Abby. Let's talk about Abby. Abby was the wife of a very foolish man called Nabal. So sometimes you might need a woman there in that house to protect a very foolish and very spiritually ignorant man. Now, I know none of our men are like that. But we do have men like that. Who are very spiritually ignorant and just plain foolish. So here comes Nabal. Nabal was, in fact, the name, meaning of his name, Nabal, is foolish. So I'm not just making it up. If you look in the Hebrew, Nabal means foolish. I don't know who names their children like that. But he happens to have the name foolish. And he behaved true to type. He was very foolish. So he, but he was a very wealthy man. I, I don't know how he was foolish and wealthy at the same time, but some are like that. <laughs> that a man is wealthy does not necessarily. It was an inheritance. Oh, he inherited it. But somehow he kept it though. Oh, Abigail. <laughs> Don't discount Abby. Many men need Abbeys in their lives. Women of valor. God's secret weapon. Nabal was so foolish. He had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of sheep and cattle. And they were out there. He had shepherds watching his cattle and everything. And they were there doing their jobs. And then David, who was running from Saul at that time, came with his mighty men, his soldiers. And his men will protect Nabal's shepherds and sheep. And he would just take care of them. Even though Nabal never met him and never said anything to him. They just felt, well, since we're in the same field and place around them, let's just cover them and, and, and help them. That's the way he was thinking. Just being benevolent and just helpful. Then it came one day that he needed a little help and something for his men to eat. And Nabal said, who, who are you? You, you ran from your master. Excuse you. And will not give them anything, even though they've given protection and everything. So Nabal became, uh, I'm sorry, David got real furious. And he got his men ready to, he said, we're going to kill all of them. There will not even be one male standing in Nabal's house. Now, this is what I want you to see. This lady called Abby. What Abby did. Abby did, um, 
Let's see, what verse would that be? Yes, if we go to, so verse 13, 1 Samuel 25, 13. At that time, you know, David said, we're going to kill all of them. Then in verse 14, one of the young men who knew Abby, because if Abby had been as foolish as her husband, this young man would not have spoken to Abigail. So in verse 14, now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. And she, you know, it went on and on and on. Then in verse um, 17, he says, Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do for Ham is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel. Even Nabal's servants were calling their master a scoundrel. He was that bad. But unfortunately, this was Abby's husband. I mean, what do you do with I mean? So they said to her, to her that man said to her, you better know what you are going to do. Go and just do something, otherwise we're all dead. So in that verse 17, he's saying that in verse 18, Abigail made his, took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, and so on, loaded them on her donkeys. And then she said, she sent it with her servants, go before me. And then she rode and ran as fast as she could to catch David before David got up to come kill all of them. That was a woman of valor. Mental strength. She runs towards the danger, not away from it. She's going towards the man that has made up his mind to slaughter the whole house. It's not how the woman looks. It's inside. Amen. Amen. And we know how the story ended. David said, if God, not ha- if God had not sent you to me today, I would have killed everybody in that house. There would be not even one male person left in that house. By the time, you know, David got the food, ate everything Abby brought. He was happy. All of them were happy. The danger was averted. Abby goes back home to go tell her husband. But the husband now, what was he doing? He was drinking. He was so drunk. He fell down and died right there. That same day. Died. Foolish man. But the whole family would have been wiped off. So yeah, that man, she couldn't really save him, but she did her best. So she stood in the gap. She wasn't looking for anything. She just wanted to be the one that averts the danger. We're looking for women who will avert the danger. Avert the danger for your family. Avert the danger for your children. Avert the danger for your husbands. Avert the dangers for your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters. Someone's got to stand in the gap. Women of valor. God's secret weapon. We're looking for women who will pray. We're looking for women who will intercede. We're looking for women who will stand and decree, decree declare, and say, uh-uh, not here. No, not here? No. We're looking for women who will tell strife. Strife? Not in this home. Um, we're not looking for women who will do Hold the man's shirt and say, today you will kill me. Pastor La, please come. I know you don't get it, but where I come from, when we were growing up, now, we, you know, everybody thinks that African women are very, you know, uh, submissive. And, and there's some African men here and they kind of know that's not the case. But Pastor La, please come here. When we were growing up, I used to see aunties, they would just hold, you know, when they got so mad and the uh, husbands have really spoken hot, bad words to them, just hold. Today, you know, the woman can't fight. She's not really strong, but she's got mouth. She can speak and she's really razor sharp. And the more she speaks, the more angry the man gets. And the man just feels like just panel beating the mouth. And, and he, he's just, I said, you want to kill me? Today. Today you will kill me. 
You will kill you today. You I would die. You will kill me. No, we're not looking for women like that. We're looking for women that says strife, not in this house. Not here. Because strife, thank you, Pastor. Strife is the door opener to every kind of evil you can imagine. You are looking for the woman that says, because you are God's secret weapon. God has something to do with that family and with that marriage and with that house. You are looking for the woman who the husband is mad. He may be really legitimately mad. You may have, been, you may have done something that really riles him up. But we're really looking for the woman who says, okay, all right, it's me. I did it all. I'm so sorry. Let's cut it off right now. Why? Because we don't want to open the door. Because when we open the door with strife, guess what comes in? Pain, sorrow, divorce, sickness, cancer. Prayers that you pray, 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 the thing never gets answered. Strife is the door opener. You know strife? Strife doesn't look big. I don't know why I'm going down this. Maybe the Lord wants us to hear. Strife is that thing that opens the door and puts its, its um, foot there. So the door is not really agile, like really wide, but just puts the foot there so that little things trickle in. You never even, you know, you know the way the women, the way we handle this thing? The way we see it is like, you want to cheat me because I'm a woman. No, 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 no. He's not cheating. Just leave that one alone. Just shut the door. Shut it. Shut it right there. No fighting. Shut it. Shut it. Shut it right now. Shut that door to strife. Because with that comes drug addiction. With that comes adultery. With that comes pain, fornication. With that, shut it. Shut it. Woman of valor. Understanding how the enemy works. Understanding his trickery, his plans, and the way he does, just shut the door. Yeah, feel cheated. Did they write it on your head that thou the cheated? Okay, so yeah, he got one on you. Okay, whatever. Just shut the door. Because the way women do is like, because I'm the woman, you just want to, you just want to cheat me. You can't cheat me. I went to school. You went to school. No, uh uh-uh. Shut the door. Shut the door. Keep out the devil. Everybody says, shut the door. door. Keep out the devil. devil. No, you're not saying it like a minute. Shut the door. door. Keep out the devil. devil. No to strife. Strife Strife not in here. Not in in my home. Amen. Amen. We're looking for women like that. Very spiritual, spiritually astute. Women who understand battle, warfare, spiritual warfare. It's not all these things we say we just, mm-mm. The Bible says we are not aware. We're not unaware of the trickery and the strategies of the devil. So we need women who are aware. Women of valor. How about Rahab? Ever thought about Rahab? Rahab is God's secret weapon. Rahab was as heathen as they came and she was a harlot. So she wasn't just the average woman. She actually made a living of this. So she was. But what we do not know about Rahab or what people don't understand or, or, or really realize is she was also a woman who, she, at, at first when the spies came to check out the land, remember Rahab was that harlot that the, 12 spies, the two spies came and when they came, they hid in her house. And when they hid in her house, um, the people of the land tried to find them, but Rahab kind of covered them and then let them down over the wall so that people did not know. Okay, some people don't know the story. So what happened was they were... (laughs) Israel was going into the promised land and the first city or land they were going to take was Jericho. 
So to take Jericho, Jericho, the Bible says, was this mighty place, walled. In fact, historians say, archaeologists say that Jericho's wall was this fat that people built houses. Chariots could run side by side on the wall. That's how come Rahab's house was built on the wall. It was that, that the, um, the wall or the fence or whatever that was used to surround the city to keep the enemies that was that big. So Israelites, they'd never seen any war before. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. God wants to give them. God says, I've given you the land. So they're looking at this land and say, where is the, who, how, me, who? God said, look, it's yours. So um, Joshua sends two spies to even go see what's in Jericho. Just kind of, kind of look, do a reconnaissance, you know, check it all out. And when they got there, the king of Jericho and other people found out that two spies had come in. When the two spies came in, they knew that the people in Jericho were looking for, this, for them. So they ran into Rahab's house and hid there. He, and Rahab could have said, the two spies you are looking for, they are here. No, what Rahab did was she took them to the roof of her house and covered them, put leaves and clothes, everything. So they searched her whole house, but they couldn't find the two spies. And then when those who were searching left, Rahab puts them in a basket and lets them down because she lived, her house was on the wall. So she, she, she let them down through a basket. But before she let them down, she said to them, we've heard about you guys. We know there is a God with you. We know you are going to take over this land. I just want you to take care of me and my family. She was a hollow. She had no spiritual anything. She did. But she knew that these people were covenant people. There was something different. We want women like that. People who can sense what God is doing. And that's how she saved her whole family. Everybody was slaughtered except Rahab and all the people who were in her house. She made it. She became the great grandmother of David. That's how this harlot, this good for nothing, somebody people will throw it away, became a secret weapon in the hands of God. There's so many women like that. I'll mention Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, the demons of hell knew that there was a Messiah coming. It had been prophesied. Everybody knew it. What they discounted was this teenager. This teenager, this girl. Nobody thought much about her. Don't discount teenagers, girls. If you raise them in the way of the Lord... <laughs> They will be the devil's worst nightmare. That's what happened with Mary. Suddenly this angel comes. Highly favored of God had kept his eye on this girl. She birthed the Messiah. Mary, God's secret weapon. Last woman I want to mention. Lydia. I don't know how we say it. How do we say it? Lydia. Or Lydia. Lydia. <laughs> That's how we say where I come from. Lydia. Leeds. Okay. So Lydia, in Acts 16, 14, the Bible says a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Tyatira, who worshipped God, whose heart the Lord opened. She was the first convert in Europe, the very first convert in the whole of Europe. A woman. Very first convert. Now Europe, you see big Europe today, the first Christian was Lydia. And not just that, if we go to verse 40, when they had beaten Paul black and blue, and they released him from prison, guess who took Paul into her house? Uh, Lydia. We need women like that. I said, no, you will not treat that man of God like that. Women of valor, mm -hmm. when a woman is God's secret weapon, God embeds these women everywhere. Yes. You can't see them because they don't look 
big, strong. They just look regular. The question is, can I be one like that? And the question is not hard. Valor means it's valor is an attitude within. I like this particular definition. It's strength of mind in regard to danger. It's that quality that enables someone to encounter danger with firmness. You don't run away from danger, you run towards it. It's like, where is the devil? Show me, I'll kill it today. Now, where are they? It's not gender-based. We have men, we call men, men of valor. You have men of valor who really are like that. But you also have men who, when they see it, they run. They really run. <laughs> I think it was Pastor Creflo who said one day that when, when, um, when you, if you hear a shot or something, you hear a noise somewhere. There are different faces, but he, I remember two. So the white man, Caucasian, goes there to check. Okay, what's going on? He said, the black man. <laughs> the minute they hear that, woo, they run. <laughs> he was trying to say the way we all react to different things. But it's not a race thing. It's not a gender thing. It's an internal thing. So the Bible says there is neither male nor female. That spirit, that attitude of valor is an Abraham seed thing. Yes. That courage, when Joshua, in Joshua it says, be strong and be of good courage, is, of, is an Abraham seed thing. In Galatians 3.27, it says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You, you put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. That thing within that makes you physically, mentally, and spiritually strong is an attitude of, I'm a child of the covenant. I am a king and priest unto my God. We reign, we don't run back. We defend territory. That's what we do. I defend my children. I'm looking for a woman who will wake up in the night and call the name of their children and start to put them before God and say, this, Lord, this. This one, this. This one, this. You, 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 you petition God, you intercede, and then you declare. In Job, it says you will decide and declare a thing. It will be a step. We're looking for women like that. It's a spiritual authority thing. That belongs only to covenant people. It's not a male or female thing. We're looking for people who understand that you have the keys of the kingdom. We're looking at people, people who, who understand the name of Jesus that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. No, it's not in my place to call it Gokom. Like we don't discuss this. When we say Satan in the, you will leave that boy, leave him alone now. Amen. A mother that gets up in the middle of the night and say, you are toying with my child. Satan, did you lose your mind? Leave him right now in the name of Jesus. We're talking of intercessors who will stand in the gap for the kingdom of God. You see the enemy closing in from every angle and you say, no, I plead the blood of Jesus. Because at the, you know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of our testimony. We're looking for declarers, people who will confess. We're looking for people who will stand up and say, say that, no, not this church. You understand the blood. You understand the name. You understand the word. Uh We're looking for that woman who has persistent faith. Like that woman who held the judge. The judge in Luke 18 and said, I'm not going to let you go until you avenge me. Persistent prayer warriors. You stand in God's presence. You pray. You haven't seen it. You are like Elijah. You go there and say, God, you will send rain. Just like you said. I'm not leaving. This rain must come. 
prayer warriors. You don't have to be deep. You don't need to know Hebrew or Greek. You just need to go into God's presence. You just need to say, God, my child, God, help. That's all you need. We're looking for women who will sit by the word, who don't take the word lightly. You are forced in church. You are forced. You are the one sitting, waiting for the word to come. Just like Mary, not Martha. Mary. Remember Mary? She stood there in Luke 10. She stood there while Martha was running, cooking dinner. Steak, mushroom on the steak. And mm -mm, we're looking for women who will be there. And say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. Because faith comes by. Thank you. We're looking for women who miss the midweek Bible study and say, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning. That's what I'm hearing today. I'm not going to let the word pass me by. We're looking for women who are hungry for the word. We're looking for women who know the secret place. He that dwells in the secret place of the most high. Who wake up in the morning. That woman in Proverbs 31, the Bible says, she rises up early. Early. We're not looking for women. We will prod you. Alarm goes off. What? Uh, snooze. Alarm. Snooze. Alarm. And then eventually with anger, you take the phone and just fling the thing away. No. No. <laughs> We're looking for women. for Even before the alarm goes, you're up. You have your prayer, whatever. And you are there interceding for your family. Women who go out in power, clothed in power. Wherever you go at work, they are afraid of you. Every demon, the minute you step, the demons are just, don't prodder, leave her alone. Let's go to the next one. Because they know the secret place. Bold women. Bold women. Let's stand to our feet. Bold women, women of valor, women of courage that run towards danger, not away from it, that lock the devil by the throat and say, you will not touch this one. The one that will birth God's will in the earth. The one that will establish God's purpose. Say, that's me if you're a woman. Raise your hand. Say, that is me. Start to pray now. Father, I release myself as a vessel. Build me up, Lord. Let me be one of those who speak with the enemies at the gate and say, what are you looking for? What are you doing here? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.